Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm going to have a wonderful show for you today. I've been working on it all morning and ready for you now. Vince Miller is in my studio. We're going to chat with him for the whole hour. I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, He is the founder of Resolute, and he spends a lot of time, most of his time, all of his time, speaking to men. And he's uh, written 16 books, um, 14 of which I have read, I think. Maybe I just made that up. All right. Um... But no, you write a new book like every week, so that's oh, yeah. exciting. It is fun. Yeah, I really enjoy writing. Yeah, so let me take 60 seconds, and we'll start our time together with Vince Miller. As we talk about men's issues, you know that uh, you are absolutely welcome to send a text and say, hey, what about this? And maybe you've got a question or something that comes up in the discussion that's going to make you think about something and you want us to elaborate on or you want Vince to say more. Let us know what that is, 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. If you dream of becoming a published author, take the next step to make your dream a reality. Meet one-on-one with a publisher, literary agent, or published author to get valuable feedback and advice about your writing at the 2020 Northwestern Christian Writers Conference, July 24th and 25th. Tickets are on sale now, and for the month of January, get 20% off the full ticket price. Find out more and register online today at NorthwesternChristianWritersConference.com. I'm Neil Stavum, manager of Faith Radio. If you're on our mailing list, look for a letter from me this month that reviews the legacy of Faith Radio and its founding under the leadership of Billy Graham. The first station went on the air 70 years ago because of the sacrificial giving of Northwestern students. And I'm inviting you to keep that spirit of generosity alive with a gift of $40 a month to keep our ministry going strong and effective in the new year ahead. Use the reply envelope in the letter or make your gift today online at myfaithradio.com. doing today. I'm so glad Vince Miller's in my studio. We're going to chat about one of or two or three of his 16 books he's written. And his speaking uh, schedule is quite busy. He's all over the country. He wrote his last book in Maui, another grueling day at the office. And he just got back from Alaska and he's headed to Michigan this weekend. He speaks at men's groups, conferences, you name it. He'll come and speak at it. Vince, welcome back. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just because you don't come here all the time, which is my choice, uh, but but I know that there's new listeners that are joining Faith Radio all the time, and we put up new translators, which means we have a a bigger body of listeners and more people are finding the station and they're listening on the app. I think your story is so unbelievably interesting. Oh, thank you. Because you speak to men, and I want to go back to uh, your beginning. You were abandoned by your father when you were two. Yeah. So yeah, that's probably why I do what I do today, because I felt a deep sense of loneliness and not having a father around or present in my life from a very young age. And of course, my mom was married and divorced multiple times. Uh, After the second marriage, she decided not to marry anymore because she saw it having an effect on me. Uh, But 
it probably wasn't better just to have a bunch of men in and out of the house for a number of years. So a lot of that left me wondering about what it meant to be a man, a father, a leader. And I kind of wondered if I was going to head down the same path that my mom had. Why wouldn't you? Right, exactly. Um, And of course, it was, uh, you know, part of the story, at least. Uh, My grandfather stepped into my life, Mm a man of faith, invested in me, discipled me. And it was because of his investment that I made a decision for faith. So, man, one man can make a huge difference in a man's life. Exactly. Speak to the grandfathers right now. Oh, man, grandpas, we need those guys, man. They're cool. My grandfather was a great guy, Navy veteran, had a tattoo on his right arm that said Walter Lee Baker. Fantastic. Which was his name. Oh, good. Told me. (laughs) (laughs) Spelled correctly and everything, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just, I remember how he loved me, how he invested in me, and how he taught me, like, simple things in life. And I think sometimes we take for granted the simple lessons have a powerful, long-lasting impact. I mean, he taught me things like how to look someone in the eye. How to shake someone's hand, mm-hmm. how to groom yourself, which remarkably, we were just talking about that. Yeah, we were. <laughs> and you're doing that with your boys now, aren't you? Yeah, I'm teaching them all the same things, yeah. you know, how to drive, how to pick up girls, you know, the appropriate way, <laughs> right? Uh, how, yeah. how to love, how to share share in uh, uh, pr- share problems with other people, how to be transparent. I mean, all these things are all important, small lessons, and they all have spiritual applications. Mm-hmm. So, so much fun. You got to have those grandfathers cannot take their role for granted just because that kid doesn't live in the house all the time with you man you can have a serious spiritual impact in their life yeah and you were were you naturally drawn to your grandfather did you just like him instantly you know i i think there was this kind of i kind of had this bromance with him a little bit he was a tough dude you know bald uh worked out every every day in the backyard we grew up in california so it was warm in the backyard in the the winter time right so he'd go and work out in the backyard played golf every day okay drove the coolest 1958 chevy apache pickup truck nice and used it actually to bait me into some spiritual conversations because he gave that to me when i turned 16. really yeah cherry too oh my goodness you had it restored just for me did he really yeah so it was a cool moment so uh i moved into his house when i was 15. so Uh here's how the story goes pretty short Moved into his house when I was 15. He said, Vince, I'm going to give you something when you turn 16. It's a, a special gift. Let's go down and see it together. Well, his truck was in the shop. They were restoring it. And I walked into the shop, and I saw the truck uh, suspended in the air. It was taken off the chassis. Mm-hmm. They had just cleaned off the metal. Three body guys were working on it over to the side, smoking cigarettes, right, mm-hmm. in a building when you could do that. He walks over to the guys and says, what are you doing? He says, well, we're just admiring your truck. He says, why are you admiring it? He said, they said, well, we had never seen a truck that looks like this in this condition. Did you know that there's not an ounce of Bondo anywhere on this truck? He said, yeah, let's keep it that way. And his next statement was this, because I plan on giving this truck to my grandson when he turns 16. (laughs) How crazy is that Who is this? unworthy grandson that was our next question <laughs> yeah that's right yeah you're you're talking to him right now yeah. it was me and uh he cherried out that truck i mean it was show quality when it pulled out of that showroom and he used that truck to teach me about life wow and it was amazing so yeah that's beautiful you like that i, I know I, I love it um was this your mom's dad or your dad's dad so my mom's Mom's father, yeah, my mom's father, so. Did uh, you know your dad's dad at all? Yes, I did. Okay. Yep, I knew him as well. Just grandfathers underestimate the the power that they have. 
in a young man's life, and he used that truck to essentially teach me about Jesus Christ. Yeah. How communicative were you back then? Were you know, you... I, I think I was pretty wounded okay. by the time I moved into his house. Did and... he have to do most of the talking, or did you open up? You know, we were, there was, you know, I called these, he had a lot of conversations with me in that truck, mm-hmm. and I called this shoulder-to-shoulder conversation yeah. for men. Uh, men have a hard time sitting face-to-face, you know, like you and I are sitting face-to-face, but like listeners are listening to us as they drive, right. you know? There's something powerful for a man about a shoulder-to-shoulder conversation where you're not necessarily looking at each other in the eyes, but you're having the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I came to discover that the power of teaching and training your kids or discipling them while you're driving or doing shoulder-to-shoulder activities are very powerful. I had many very meaningful and hard-to-have difficult conversations with all three of my children, especially my boys, while we were driving in a car. I mean, that's where I had the you know, the talk about intimacy and mm-hmm. sex. I mm-hmm. had it in the car because it was easy to have. You yeah. know, we're driving somewhere, you're looking ahead. You don't have to look at each other in the eyes and kind of, you know, get really concerned about right. that. But you can we do had, it at night when it's dark in the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really, really dark on a, a moonlit night, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, it. I just learned from him the power of having these conversations. And I was a little quieter and he was doing most of the talking, but mm-hmm. he drew me out. He made me had conversations with him in that truck. And that truck became a tool of spiritual transformation in my life till I turned 16. That, that year we spent together in that truck was incredible. Wow. That's just a great story. I mean, it's so smart that your grandfather had that foresight and that wisdom and had that, um, I guess I'll say it, he, it was a drawing card. He had something that any 16-year-old, 16-year-old kid would love to get his hands on. Yeah, absolutely. And he baited me into a, it trapped me into a conversation with it. You know, in fact, what a beautiful it, trap. Yeah. And he did a great job, man. It was amazing. I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. Yeah. And how long ago did he die and how long did he live? He, uh, I was with, he was with me for five years. So between the ages of 15 and 20. Okay. And, uh, I, uh, I look back on a lot of those moments with, uh, a great, great joy. He, he is, he is one of the big stories that I tell when I'm speaking to men across the country. Um, because I think that every man wants to be loved by a father and of course, we know the best love comes from our Heavenly Father. And so I often tell them the stories of my grandfather who invested in me. And obviously, because of him, I'm doing what I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. When you feel that father's love or that grandfather's love, there's something that's so safe about that. That's your, could you be any more secure than with your big, tough, Navy yeah. weightlifting grandfather in this truck? I mean, could you, could there be a safer environment for, for you to talk about your feelings? Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool, man. He's, I, you know, you, you know this, of course, that there's a few times in the New Testament that God speaks. Two of those times, God says these words, and they're directly to his son. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Mm-hmm. And I, I think God purposely and intentionally does that because I think Every son, even Jesus, wanted to hear that affirmation. Mm -hmm. But God is saying it not just so Jesus can hear it. God's saying it to demonstrate what a good father does so other people that around that hear it, that wrote it down. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, and are paying attention. Like, look, pay attention. Yeah. This is only a couple of times I'm going to speak in the New Testament. Pay attention. Man, no kidding. This is the power of a father or a grandfather's affirmation. It has the power to change a person's life forever. So... Note the words you speak, right? But you think of those words, this is my son, you're identifying, you're making, you're, this, song, this, this person belongs to me, mm-hmm. this is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. 
when a young man hears that from a father or a grandfather, they go out into the world in strength. Because why wouldn't you? I belong. I'm loved. I'm cared for. You go out in the world in strength. Yeah, and you know, most of the time we we don't we don't hear those voices of affirmation. In fact, many men hear different voices than we realize. I'd love to talk with you about that, but we have all these other voices kind of dancing around in our head that are not the voice of affirmation, and they kind of hold us back as men from the challenge of life. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh... Always great to have you in studio, and I want to uh, talk about your latest book, and I also think that you've got something going in the uh, marriage department. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. we've got so, some things working in that area. Well, if you'd hold like to that, think of it. Yeah, okay. hold that thought. Put it on pause. Vince Miller's in studio. He's my guest. BeResolute.org is his website. We're going to take a short break and be right back. studio. BeResolute.org is his website. So Vince, uh, a book that's in the making called To Act, Five Uncomplicated Disciplines for Men. Love the title. Love the book idea. Yeah. Please say more. Yeah, absolutely. So we, uh, you know, I've often thought about this. I mean, one of the pages that gets a lot of hits on my site is this one post that I did around disciplines for men. And uh, I was shocked one day to see how many hits it was getting. And one of my publishers said to me, you should just write a book about that. And I thought, well, that's a great idea. So that's kind of how the idea happened. But as I started digging into it, I discovered that it might be just the topic for men. Um, I think men live in this place of hesitation in their faith, right? They, mm-hmm. they love the idea of a savior. Uh, for them, the idea of a Lord is very complicated. And what I mean by this is they, they love to be saved from their circumstances, their sin, but taking the next step of faith of like understanding how do I report to this Lord now? Mm-hmm. Like, what does this Lord require of me is super complicated for them. So essentially what I do in the book is I, uncompl- I uncomplicate five super simple disciplines. I talk about why they're complicated and then I uncomplicate them. Nice. And they are prayer scripture, brotherhood, accountability, and ministry, which I think men need to hear how to do those things in a very, very uncomplicated way so that they'll actually do them. (laughs) Yeah. Keep it simple, huh? Well, the simpler it is, the better it is. Yeah. Actually. Can we uh, talk through some of those? Yeah, absolutely. Let's start with prayer. Yeah. Prayer is super complicated, isn't it? Not for me. Well, for some people it really is because you, you think about prayer, you think okay, now we've launched into this relationship with Christ. Uh, What does prayer mean? And guys don't want to have a conversation with someone they can't see. So for them, they go, well, how do I do it? What am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to not say? Uh, What happens in the context of the prayer? Do I only do it in my mind? You know, step me through it. Help me to understand so I can engage with the discipline. Just like any discipline, we have to, like, understand how to engage with it. So the very basic way that I uncomplicate this is I tell men to start by praying out loud. Literally pray out loud. And you know why? 
because Jesus most of the time prayed out loud. You know how I know that? We wrote down a lot of his prayers. <laughs> and I think we just don't take this first step of just saying, you know what, I'm going to pray out loud. Uh, you know, guys get get this all complicated all the time because they see people up front praying yeah, during like, a Sunday like service. Like some guy named Larry who's got this beautiful way of praying, and you go, I can't pray that yeah, good. Yeah, he uses all these big words, and, he, you know, he, he has this eloquent way about him, and mm-hmm. it sounds like so put together. Yeah. But most of the guys don't want to do that out loud, so they pray it in their head, and they end up falling asleep or getting distracted or looking down at their phone or something pings at them. You mm-hmm. know, they just don't follow through with it. So I tell guys it all begins with just five minutes of praying out loud, each day. Are you yeah. in your car? Are you in the shower? Are you in a quiet space? Where are you, where are you doing this? Yeah, I would highly recommend a quiet space. Okay. But the best quiet place is actually your car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's remarkable. You can turn this thing into a, a little prayer cabin almost because yeah. every time you stop, say, hey, I'm going to say another prayer or say, hey, my first five minutes to drive, I'm going to turn the radio off. Sorry, listeners. I'm going to turn the ra- radio off. You know, and all I'm going to do is just have this conversation with God. Just talk about anything. I think that's where it all begins. And then I do give guys a little bit of structure. Uh, I, I tell them, ask for some things for a few minutes, confess a few things for a few minutes, thank God for a few things for a few minutes, kind of get in the rhythm of making this pact in prayer. If you see mm-hmm. that, pray out loud, ask right? Confessed thanks and kind of get in the balance of understanding. I'm not just asking for things all the time. There's kind of this, this balance of talking about different things with God, building a relationship with them. Because remember discipline, the point of it is to build a relationship with God. So there's prayer for you. I love that. And I have found too, and I'll throw my two cents in. Go for it. uh, Adjusted for inflation (laughs) that I usually like to start off with, uh, praising God through uh, maybe a passage of Scripture that I've memorized. Mm-hmm. A, it, I can praise Him with God's Word, and B, it also gives me a chance to refresh my memorization work. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so I will oftentimes start my prayer time with, um, you know, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your Word. Mm-hmm. And then I might, I might recite Psalm 103, because I know that by heart. And then my, my spirit and my heart just goes into a place where I'm, I feel like I've just gotten the soil all ready to start praising, asking, thanking, and all that you just talked about. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And I think, guys, once they get in the rhythm of doing this, it becomes more natural for them. And that's yeah. what we want. It, we want it to become a discipline that they naturally want to do. Like yeah. just keep repeating the behavior simply over and over again and stop overcomplicating the whole task. Yeah. If what I just said shows up in one of your books, I will sue you from here to Hong Kong. <laughs> I'm just it's still in the editing phase, so I might <laughs> just kind of slip it in there. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. What's after prayer? Uh, scripture. Okay. So scripture is super complicated, right? So uh, I, I've led many people to Christ. And one of the first things I used to do was walk them into a bookstore when we had those, right? <laughs> I'd walk them into a bookstore to buy them a Bible. And this literally happened to me many, many times. I'd walk them into the Bible aisle. I'd say they would look at it, and they the very first question would be, "What version? Which one? Exactly. Which one, yeah. which one am I supposed to get? Because there's hundreds. Yeah, right. And then I would try to explain all the different translations, and then I'd say, "Why don't we start with something easy to read, like the NIV? Right? I'd pull it off the shelf, mm-hmm. and then I would hand it to them, and." Uh, We'd walk up to the counter to go purchase it, and they kind of feel it and look at it. And and then the next question they would ask me, usually on the way to the checkout, is, where do I start? Oh, 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you'll, you'll catch up. So, um, <laughs> so where do I start? And um, I would say, well, there's a lot of places you could start, but you can start in a couple places. Why don't we start with John? Because it's kind of the story and the narrative of Jesus's life told from, you know, a, a, a few decades looking back at his life. And it's easy to follow, easy to read. Why don't you start there? And I kind of open it up, drop the marker in. Then I send him home. All right. Bottom of Bible wrote my name in it. Not, I didn't sign the Bible, but right. I wrote my name in it, giving it to him. Right. And, uh, and, and he goes home and he begins reading John. And this is the first thing he reads. He reads, in the beginning was a word and the word was with God and the word was God in the beginning. Right. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And I get a phone call almost every time, almost every time. Dude, Vince, who is this word dude? no kidding yeah and i think you know reading the bible is actually very complicated and the reason why is that we're talking about you know a book that's written over a couple of thousand years by 40 different authors written to people in their day Mm -hmm. right and culturally it makes no sense to people sometimes i mean they pick it up and they're talking they're using words and languages and assuming things in it that we don't understand and so i think when we read scripture men stop and hesitate because they don't get what's going on in it and so we have to help them to kind of understand how to read the bible so here's how i uncomplicate it nice real simple all right you actually already suggested the idea, so I'm okay, going to import it into my book. Okay, good. <laughs> it, it begins with prayer. I tell them, stop. Don't just start reading. The Bible is actually the way God spiritually interacts with us. It's unlike any other book. It's not like a novel. There's something supernatural that happens when we read it. So we got to stop and we got to pray first, right? Then we move into reading a short section of scripture, and I tell them next, we've got to discover author intent. Like, what did the author intend to say? Because, by the way, guess what? Don't be offended by this. The Bible wasn't written to you. The original audience was the audience that the author was writing to, and because there's so many different authors in the Bible, they were writing to an original audience. Now, the Bible is for us today, but we've got to discover that original author intent. And then, and then after that, we start, we've, we've got to read it with that intent and discover it and then stop when we're convicted. This is the most important part is we think we've got to get through all this heavy material. And guess what? We don't. That's the best part about the Bible. Read, look for author intent, and then stop when you're convicted and then just pray. Like literally let the word of God wash over you. Mm-hmm. And if you start to experience that, guess what? You're going to keep going back to it and back to it and back to it again. It'll be less words on the page. It'll be more life transformation. And guess what? You'll experience change from yeah, it. And that's that. what you want is change, right? Relationship right. with God. So there you have so it. So you can always start with Psalm 119, verse 18 that says, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in mm-hmm. your law. Vince Miller's my guest. We're going to take a little break. BeResolute.org is his website author of 16 books, and speaks primarily to men. And if you have a question you'd like to ask Vince, or maybe you've heard something you'd like him to elaborate on, let us know what it is. 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. Thanks for listening, being with me today. I'll be right back. On Faith Radio.
All right, we are back with Vince Miller. Thanks for being here, Vince. Thanks, man. You know I like it when you come in. And you've got a new project coming out pretty soon. Yeah. It's called called Act. Yeah. Five uncompli- Uncomplicated Disciplines for Men. So we're going to talk about all five. I hope we have time for all five. I'm sure we do. We talked about prayer. We talked about scripture, trying to uh, not make them complicated. Right. Talk about kind of why they seem heavy and then how to uncomplicate. So prayer, scripture, what's next? Brotherhood. Okay. Relationships with other men for guys. Yeah. Seriously. Um, you know, I think the the brotherhood thing for guys is essentially this. They they understand what it means to kind of hang out, to go to a game, to have activity, but they never venture into the spiritual relationship that God wants us to have, right? Um, it, it seems complicated to them. It seems like dating. Let's just put it that way. It seems like uh, a relationship that they can't quite reach for. And I honestly think because men haven't experienced it, they don't know how to get to that point. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit awkward. It's a weird dance, but I think we can get over this. So that's what makes it complicated, to be quite honest. It, it's they've never done it before. It's just like a new activity. Plus, if you've got a you know a twenty year history with somebody, and you've been on the other side of your faith, living in that kind of uh, secular lifestyle, and you've come to faith, you can either be bold and say, "Gosh, I've had a big change in my life." Or you can kind of start that awkward dance of, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I don't really want to tell those jokes anymore. Um, you know, you, you've described exactly it. It's, it's not too, it's not just with men too. It's actually with women. I mean, men don't know sometimes how to take that conversation deeper. They don't know how to take the next step, but I promise you most men get there very quickly when they experience pain in their life, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. If they experience pain, they want to get the problem fixed. Like if I break my arm, I, w- I need to go to the doctor and get it fixed. So when a man experiences some kind of pain in his life, he'll do anything that he can most of the time to get that fixed, especially if it means he gets ushered in to a small group experience with another man or a mentorship experience or has to go see a counselor or deal with an issue with his wife. He then has to take the conversation from, you know, surface level peripheral things down into something meaningful where there's transparency and authenticity. So I think this this whole issue for men is just a, a challenge. To but what if with. they don't have any skill sets down in the in that authenticity area because they don't have any experience or practice? Exactly, and I and, think that's where it, you're right. They don't have skills in it. You know, I was I was taught some of these things by my grandfather, as we mentioned earlier, but. Just, just very basic skills and learning how to, like, share that I don't know how to do something, right? That's, that's a very basic skill. So I'll give you an example of it. So I was on a, a trip this last weekend uh, in Alaska, and I was uh, snow machining, which is like snowmobiling but on steroids, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was faced down a hill where I was in a stuck position, and I didn't know what to do, right? Now, you know what most guys would do? They would muscle through the situation and try to figure it out on mm-hmm. their own. But I knew that I was with an expert writer. So I turned to this 60-year-old guy. (laughs) Seriously, he was awesome. He's 60. I turned to him and I said, hey, what do I do in this situation? And that question right there is a sign of deep maturity for a man. I'm not making myself out to be mature. That's not Mm -hmm. what I'm I'm trying to illustrate, that turning to someone and saying to them, I don't know how to get out of this situation, 
is indicative of saying, look, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. I'm facing down this big hill. What do you do? And he got off his machine and showed me what to do. He said, first, turn this way, then hit the gas, level out the skid, then turn it back this way, jump out of it. You'll be fine. And no kidding, I did it, and it worked. Mm -hmm. But it took me to turn to him as a brother and say, hey, I need some help, bro. Like, I'm scared to death right now. I'm Mm -hmm. facing down this steep incline. I don't know what to do. I could just tumble down it. That'd be fine. I'd get out of it. But, man, it, it took a lot of courage to be able to do that. I think men haven't experienced the good side of that, where they can turn to someone and they're not going to take advantage of it and say, you idiot, what, you don't know what to do right now? Like you're scared or something, you know? And it's like, we have some of these scars and wounds in our Mm -hmm. relationship that keep us from opening up, but we desperately need the brotherhood on the other side. And there's spiritual application to this, right? When we don't know what to do to be able to open up and to share that with another guy is very, very important. And it's where we gain the skills that you just talked about Mm -hmm. to be able to do what we're going to do next. When you think of sometimes a person's religious upbringing or their religious training could have ended in sixth grade, you, right. know, you know, maybe that's when they stopped learning much about God or their faith or their religion. So now if they're in their 40s or 50s or 60s, they don't feel uh, like they're prepared to have a conversation. They don't want to look stupid. Exactly. I, I've You're right on the money. It's... I don't know how many groups I've led and where I've kind of finished the group time, you know, over multiple months where I've turned back to the guys and I said, what was great about this experience for you? Uh, Almost 100% of the guys, most of the guys in the group will say, to be quite honest with you, it was really hard for me to come because I was ashamed that I didn't know the Bible. I didn't know how to pray. I wasn't wise enough. I wasn't sharp enough. My life's full of sin, made a lot of mistakes but you never made me feel that way. And it drew me out. And I'm a different man today because of that. And that's where brotherhood has an amazing impact. If men can put themselves into a relationship with another man spiritually, that's further down the road of life than they are spiritually, not in age, but spiritually, the hope is that they'll gain some of these skills along the way, right? By rubbing shoulders and learning along the way. And that's how we learn. And it's Mm -hmm. best done in a group because now you got multiple guys in a group all learning together all at different phases and stages of life. And by the way, they're going to ask the stupid question that you don't want to ask sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you'll learn by listening. And sometimes you learn by making mistakes, but man, we need these relationships. I know you're in a group. I know I'm in a group, but they just make you better over time. Don't they? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you are in a place of safety and you're in a place where you uh, can not only encourage people, but be encouraged yourself. And if you don't put yourself in that place, you're missing so much. Yeah, but you don't know it because you haven't been there, right? Yeah, right. And that's, that's the hard part. And there's probably guys listening today or even wives listening today trying to figure out how do I get my husband or how do I personally as a man get in a group? And I say, just take a step, like set up a coffee with another guy, right? Make it uncomplicated. Set up a coffee, do a meeting, talk about life, relationships, and I say even prepare a couple of questions to ask them, like mm-hmm. try to draw things out of them. Prepare a couple of questions, draw it out, and if at all possible, add in one spiritual element early. And it doesn't have to be done over coffee. You could just say, is there something I can pray for you about? Because I think adding in that spiritual element early 
keeps the spiritual undertone of, of the time. If it's just having coffee and you're just talking about life, you may miss the opportunity to include that later on, right, or to break the ice with it, because eventually it might turn into you guys opening the Bible together and having a conversation. Like, teach me about your life. I see your marriage. It's incredible. Tell me, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. You're killing it at work. How do, you, how do you do this as an employee in your career? Like, where did you learn to do these things? And draw them out, but then always kind of look for the spiritual application. And I also tell guys this, is that when you get done meeting with a guy, tell him thank you. Tell him thank you for what you learned. Like, I always do that when I'm done. Like, thank you for the time today. Here's what I'm taking away from it. That's powerful. There's that affirmation again, right? It's like, oh, he learned something from me. I didn't realize that, you know, and this is kind of the dance of brotherhood that we need to discover. And yeah. it's what makes us better as men. And anybody can say to a friend, is there um, any chance you'd want to maybe meet a couple times a month and and just have a group? Uh, maybe we can expand to four or five, six guys and we can we can meet and do that twice a month and start having, you know, conversation about life and faith issues. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, it's super helpful. I mean, there's all kinds of material on the market. Yeah. I mean, I got stuff, but there's, it doesn't even matter. You can just plop open a Bible, pick a section of scripture and talk about it, yeah. right? Use yeah. the use the method we just talked about, right? Just start to pray before you read the scripture, look for author intent and stop when you're convicted and then yeah. talk about it together. I and mean, then, it's real simple. And I'd love to encourage believers um, to possibly be mobilizers of a group. And invite guys into your circle. I mean, the group I'm in right now was really started by my friend Jay. And Jay said, do you want to be a part of this group? And I go, I said, of course. And then he reached out to three guys who were tire kickers who are all now believers. That's crazy right there. Well, you know, you can, you can say, I need to be part of a men's group. Or believers can take an action step and say, I can be the organizer and invite guys in. And, and by the way, they might be more inclined to discover God through your small group than to come to church. You know, they, they might. Mm-hmm. Like I've had a lot of guys that are just a little bit concerned about the church experience, but they'll sit in front of you in a group and go, wow, this is really great. I'm opening the Bible, learning about God, and I'm watching other men kind of relate in a normal, not weird way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And these aren't spiritually weird people. They're kind of normal, and we're kind of having good discussions. But yeah, you can, there's all kinds of strategies to small groups, but man, a person that's a spiritual leader of any kind or been a Christian for a couple of years, man, they should be leading people in a group experience, at least one-on-one, mm-hmm. you know, casually for, you know, once a week would be great. Yeah. You know, we need to be in front of other people. They make us better. Right. It gives God opportunity to work. Everything <laughs> with a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It takes everything that we do in rows on a Sunday morning and moves it to a circle, right? right. Where... There can be heavy application and impact personally for us. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Vince, we got prayer. We have scripture. We have uh, men getting together with other men. Yeah. Iron sharpens iron, one man, another. What would be uh, the next one? Oh, accountability. Oh, okay. Okay, here's That's where it gets one. heavy. Yeah, this, this is where it gets heavy, man. Uh, we all need accountants. Well, it, yeah, we need accountants. <laughs> That's right. Especially between now <laughs> That's and why 15th. I know, yeah. <laughs> Throwing the money-wise commercial right now, <laughs> right? So, you know, I, I, love, um, I love accountability, but I don't think everybody loves accountability. You know, accountability is the strangest thing. None um, of your business. Yeah, exactly. There yeah, you go. Yeah. It's, it, we know, and here's the crazy thing, accountability 
stability in life drives results, right? We know that. Mm-hmm. It's true on the sports field, or most yes. of you're laughing. No, you're that's laughing. so true. <laughs> it is true, right? Yeah. Accountability drives results on the sports field. It drives it in business. It, it drives it in even just common everyday relationships at home. But the funny thing is, is that when we go to church, there's just so little accountability there for some reason. Yet we say our spiritual life is the most important part of our life. Don't we say that? Mm-hmm. There should be heavy accountability there then, driving us forward. And, you know, we tend to see accountability as a very negative, shaming thing, right? But the end result is extremely positive. And once we can kind of get over all of our baggage around accountability and invite it into our life, oh my goodness, it drives results more than anything else. I have actually discovered that many people see things in my life that I don't see myself. Mm-hmm. And they love to point them out when I ask them to give me the feedback. It's crazy. Like daily, people will give me feedback on certain things that I've written, certain experiences or talks I've given. And I used to be resistant to it. But I got to tell you, listening to them is kind of like an experiment. Like, how did you experience that now? And it just makes everything better the next time and the next time and the next time. I used to get upset at my wife when she gave me, you know, feedback on my life. I came to discover she's the best person to give me feedback, right? Mostly because I I probably need it and it's going to make me a better husband. But when I start to look at accountability in a positive light, like look at it really positively as if someone's trying to make me better. Oh, you start asking for it. And then you start stripping out the bone, right? Throw away the bone, eat the meat from it. (laughs) Yeah. Even if the tone is wrong Mm -hmm. or something is said unfairly. Oh, it's, it's so refreshing. So anyway, I think accountability is one of those things in spiritual relationship that unfortunately, especially men only see in a negative light. When men hear the word accountability, you know what they think about? They think about sexual sin and they think about someone holding them accountable for all the wrong things that they've done. I'm dead serious. Oh, of course. That's, that's... Maybe it's even the thoughts they're having or what they're looking at on their computer. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But imagine if another man was holding, like if you and I were holding each other accountable for positive things in our life, forget the negative things. Let's just move to positive things. Have you prayed today? Have you read scripture today? Mm-hmm. Those are both positive things yeah, for you. And right. that's what a coach would do. Is right. like, have you gotten in the gym today? Have, right. you, have you worked out? Have you spent time with God? Right. Why not? Tell me why. And then let's change that. And let's do it together right now. Yeah. Let's do it together. You see what I just did? It's just positive accountability that drives results. And you know what? It feels good when we do that. Now, here's, here's the tricky part of accountability. And this is really, really important. I actually don't think that other people should hold us accountable. I don't think it works that way. I think we've got to invite people into our idea of accountability and what we want to change in our life. And then we have to check in with them. So in other words, let's say I just want to make, I want to, I want to pray more in my life, right? Okay. So I'm a guy who wants to pray more. In life. I'm going to turn to you and I'm going to say, uh, look, we'll, I want you to know that my goal is to pray five minutes a day for the next month. And then it's my responsibility to check in with you, not you with me, because you'll never do it, right? My responsibility to check in with you weekly through a text and just say, I prayed three times this week, two times I didn't. I'm going to try to up it next week. Mm -hmm. And then for you to ask, well, how come you didn't do the two days? You know what I mean? And check back in with me. Mm -hmm. And rather than you owning the responsibility, I do. Accountability works best when we want it. That's true. Great point. And I will be that accountable person 895 a week. <laughs> <laughs> Vince Miller's my guest. We'll take a short break. Be right back. 
Welcome back to the show. Vince Miller's in the studio. BeResolute.org is his website. We're chatting about a book called Call to Act, which is not out yet, but when it will one day be out, we'll have him back in the studio with many copies to give to listeners. How's that? That, that sounds great, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we've been covering prayer, scripture, um, men needing men, a fellowship, and not, then there was accountability. That was a big one. I thought your point on accountability was spot on. Hmm. Really well thought out, brilliant thinking. Thank you. Yeah. Which I think leads us to our last of the five, which is uh, we call the subtitle is Five Uncomplicated Disciplines for Men. And the last one is ministry. That oh can boy. be very complicated for people. <laughs> what does ministry mean? How yeah. do I do ministry? Well, and that's the that's the whole complicated factor about it, right? Like men, the way they experience ministry is they see a paid professional doing it on a stage on a weekly yes. basis. And they think this, literally, they think I've got to leave my job to go do that and to make that salary. Uh, uh-uh, uh, no. Or, or they go, "Hey, honey, should I do that?" And the wife goes, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, I don't think so." <laughs> or they think, uh, "For me to do ministry, I've got to leave this country and go over there to engage with ministry." And it just it makes the whole thing complicated for guys. Mm-hmm. They they don't understand that actually ministry is an activity. It is not a title. It is not a job. It's an activity. Got that? Not a title, not a job. It's an activity. It's something that we do in relationship with Christ every single day of our life. In fact, many of the biblical authors in the New Testament started off not by claiming rights to a title, right? Not claiming rights to being an author, not claiming rights to do ministry. They really started off with this phrase, I, Peter, I, Paul, I, et cetera, et cetera, am a slave servant of Jesus Christ. And they saw all of who they were underneath this identity of Lord. And because of that, I think they saw ministry very differently than many men do today. They saw it as their way of life. And so to uncomplicate ministry is is actually remarkably easy. And so here's the way that I do it in the book. It's ask yourself one question every day. It's just one question. God, what is one small act of obedience that I can do today? That's it. And then what you do is you ask yourself that question, you live it out, and then use it to influence other people. So let me give you an example of it. So, uh, you know, recently I was having uh, kind of this, this spur in my heart at home around speaking more kindly to my wife and family, right? And so my act of obedience of the day was to speak more kindly. So I went to my wife and I said, let's get the family together. And we got the family together and we sat down at the table and I said, hey guys, I want you to know something. That today is going to be a day moving forward where I'm going to speak more kindly to your mom and I'm going to speak more kindly to you. And I want you to join me in speaking more kindly to each other. That's ministry right there. I took a simple act of obedience and turned it into an opportunity to make a declaration and a confession. And then I used it to invite other people into an experience with me, into an act of obedience with me. I used it to do ministry. And, you know, over time, I watched this unfold in my family, and it's powerful. You see, we think ministry is a job. We think it's a title, but it's just really a daily activity. And if you ask that one simple question, just one simple question, 
every day for the rest of your life. You'll look back and you'll look back at marvelous ministry that God has done through you. And I think for the men listening today, stop complicating this one. You don't have to leave your job. In fact, you might have more influence at your job right now than you would if you left your job. I've had many men come up to me and say, I can't wait till I retire someday so I can get engaged in ministry. And they're leading thousands of people at work. I'm just like, we need to change our mindset about this. Mm -hmm. Just ask yourself what one small act of obedience I can do at work today and then use that to influence everybody else. And you might watch your workplace change over days and months and years. You might watch your behavior change over days, months, and years. And sometimes we, we, we like the getting to the destination too fast when ministry is really a slow progress in a long direction over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And we look back and see the influence. That's how it's happened. Yeah. So does that make sense? Total sense. And, you know, Hebrews says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I also know that what you're doing speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So if you're that person at work and you're leading thousands, how you conduct your life and what they're observing is ministry. Powerful ministry. It actually is, especially when you connect it to the gospel, right? Like, you know, when we do these acts of obedience, how we do it, the tone by which we say it, the means by which we interact is all part of that ministry. But we also have to help people from time to time connect the fact that we're doing this for this reason, because Christ first did it for us. And occasionally we're going to get the opportunity to say that, right? Especially at work. Every once in a while, someone's going to come to us and say, I see something different in you. And I think it's okay to tell them why. Mm -hmm. I'm indwelled by the Spirit. I call Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. And by the way, I do it because not only can I have an influence on other people's lives, but I'm doing it because God has done it for me. It's His grace poured out of my life, and I want to share that with others. The reason why I do it is very important. The motivation behind it needs to be shared and needs to be pure. And it's, it's the killer part of ministry, I think, sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's just long, a long obedience in that same direction. And then given opportunities at times, we share the gospel, right? The gospel behind it. I work out, I'll give you an example. I work out at this gym in town, and it's a CrossFit gym. And, and uh, I've, over the, I've been there two years. And uh, I will tell you, over the two years, I've kind of watched the place change because I'm not the guy who curses in the gym. I'm the guy who influences. I leave my books there for people to read. And people come to me and talk to me about this every once in a while. And ruin your workout. Yeah, they do. There's, yeah, <laughs> there is that. But, you know, I love it because it's become this this incredible ministry opportunity because I have to daily, when I go there, watch my voice, mm-hmm. watch how I act, watch how I interact. And you know what? It's it's a tool. It's an opportunity for me. It's an opportunity for God. So, you know, once in a while, I'll leave one of my books out there and someone takes it. And it's great. You know, it's wonderful. So, Salt and light in the world. Yeah. Isn't that kind of what it's called, isn't yeah. it? And it, it just keeps salt and then light in the world, man. Exactly. Keep it's, salt it's very, and then light, right? <laughs> that's right. It's very, very, I mean, it's, it's really simple. We don't have to overcomplicate it. And so I just encourage people, engage in the ministry. Yeah. Engage so, in the ministry. Uh, Vince, we're almost out of time. Now, I know you speak to tons and tons of men's groups all over the country. What are some of the things you hear most often from men after the event is over? I mean, when you get side conversations, what are they saying to you? Yeah, you know, I I hear a little bit of everything. Um, I I hear men who are just completely broken uh, regarding situations in their life that feel like they're out of control, and then there's some that leave extremely hopeful. 
the the funnest ones for me are the ones where I can tell that a guy's having a very personal interchange with me because I said something that stirred him up that causes him to go home and be different. I had one of these just this last weekend, and a guy came up to me and said, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to apologize to my son. Wow. and That's big. That's big. Honestly, his son is, you know, 32 years old. He realized that he had put him out for years. He had made a lot of mistakes, and he had put it off for way too long. And I got to tell you, when I hear moments like that, I I just wish everybody, everybody in the world could hear that one moment right Mm -hmm. there, that I'm going to go home today. And it was very quiet, private conversation. I'm going to go home today. I'm going to apologize to my son because I never have. Wow. And uh, Job well done. Recon- reconciliation, God, yeah. when God moves in a, in a human heart to incite reconciliation, I just get fired up because really, you know, this is the message of God that I deliver. It's not about me. Uh, it's not about what I'm doing. It's really about what God is doing. And I get to see those moments. They're, they're amazing. Man. Yeah. I'm honored. Vince, thanks for coming into the studio. Thank you, man. Yeah. been yeah. great spending this time with you. Vince Miller has been my guest. His website is Be Resolute. B-R-E-S-O-L-U-T-E dot org. And uh, we look forward to having you back, Vince, when that book is in in print, and we'll um, talk about it some more. That wraps up this hour. Coming up next, Kim Cattola is going to be with me, and Dr. Michael Brown. That's all ahead in hour two. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.